Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. When most people think of Texas food, their minds immediately go to barbecue, which is why today's conversation is with Michelle Wallace, the executive chef of Gatlin's Barbecue here in Houston, Texas. Michelle was one of the first people I met when I moved here back in 2013 when we both worked for Houston's restaurant. In the years since, we've collaborated on all different wine and barbecue events. And Michelle's background in French cooking and high-end catering made her transition to barbecue all the more interesting to me because I've always enjoyed the way she incorporates elements of smoke to non-barbecue cuisine. So we met up last week at Gatlin's to discuss her love for bologna, the role of gender and race in the world of barbecue, and the importance of supporting black-owned businesses. Here's Michelle. Awesome. Michelle Wallace, so good to see you. Likewise. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just hanging out, you know. Um... Surviving the core, yeah, <laughs> the core. I love the, core, the yeah. abbreviation on that. Yeah, got it. <laughs> the teen don't sound right. It's the quarantine. Core. Yeah, yeah. I got tired of saying the quarantine. <laughs> so you guys were open throughout, like all of April. You guys were rocking. Absolutely. Rock and roll. So our doors has never closed. Uh, gratefully, <laughs> yeah. thankfully. So we've been able to uh, serve barbecue to the masses, whoever yep. uh, ventured out during this time. So we are grateful for each and every person that came through those doors. Did you guys like alter service at all for, for that uh, period? A lot of just like grab and go, take and bake. What's the situation? So we actually served all of our normal menus. So all of our brisket yep. ribs, everything that's normally smoked, yep. uh, we served. And, um, and, uh, we did in- introduce one take and bake item, which was the smoked chicken pot pie, which okay. actually went over super, like really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of that, everything was just packaged to go in, in, in accordance with what the city had put forth. And then we didn't do dining in uh, for mm-hmm. the first time. And then once they kind of started open up, we uh, allowed a few Because we're technically at 75% right now, Technically right? at 75%, but we actually have stayed at our 25% number. Really? Um, and then we have a back room where should it should necessary, we will sit back there. But usually we try to keep people contained. Is that where we're sitting right now? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, your set day off is Sunday, right? That's the day that y'all are closed? That's the day that we are closed, yes. <laughs> so, like, so what, what's, usually, what's your normal, like, day off routine like? Um, just... It just kind of depends. Generally, I like to plan nothing. All right. Uh, and keep it open for yeah. whatever I choose to do. If, I, if it's lay on the couch all day, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it'll be uh, grabbing brunch or hanging out with my sister or my brother. Yeah. Um, seeing my nieces and nephews. It just kind of, mm-hmm. it's so weird because the restaurant industry is so demanding. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially being uh, the executive chef of a restaurant and you're managing people. And so that kind of infiltrates your personal life. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, throughout the week, I find it hard to have a personal life because I'm dealing with everything else. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of the times. And so on Sundays, I usually try to really uh, manage time with my family, time with friends, yeah. you know, time with a significant other, you know. Is, there, is there a significant other? In you know, I'm dating, Ooh. so, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, he uh, is not in the restaurant industry. Smart, smart. <laughs> and so, if, I, think it, I think it works. I think he thinks my life is, like, super interesting <laughs> and cool. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm super excited to chat. Okay. This is a conversation that I've been wanting to have with you, like, since I started since, the podcast. Yes. You did. You reached out very early. So I reached I out like... to you like, I think it was like mid-April. Yeah. You know, we have a shared history working for Houston's yes, restaurant. Yes, we do. Um, I remember when we first started working together, uh, our GM at the time, Mark, he had us exchange phone numbers and I got really excited because I saw a 314 <laughs> number on there and I was like, oh shit, here we go. Homegirls from St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you were there? Um, last year, actually, I went home for Thanksgiving, and I hadn't mm. been home 
for Thanksgiving in, in a couple of years. Okay. Um, so I was excited to be there. Okay. But my time usually is pretty short uh, yeah. there. So I... I'm well, I gotta imagine it's busy here too. So yeah, getting absolutely. away for... Yeah. Getting away for a holiday is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was at home for Thanksgiving and it was it was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's Are, a recharging thing for me yeah. to be around my mom and my other mm-hmm. family is super recharging. So... Is there like a restaurant or a bar or any like food related place in St. Louis that holds like a special place for you? Yeah, that like you gotta hit up when you're there? When I go home, I have to have some Chinese food, which is, yeah, yeah, like it's really weird. There's this dish that I always love and that keep trying to get Greg Gatlin on, but he always is like, shout out Greg, Greg, the owner. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's called a St. Paul sandwich. It's basically an egg foo young patty uh, immersed between two slices of bread. It has pickle, <laughs> tomato, mm-hmm. and onion. It's super simple with mayonnaise. And it sounds so weird, but it's so good. Um, so I have to have one of those. Sounds like time. all things I like. Yes, I mean, it's so good. And I, I know how to make them, but I can't find people in the south to really kind of gravitate towards them it's super weird really even in yeah. like houston's very like um diverse centric yeah like, man. restaurant like, scene there's I think, none of that floating around yeah so i was talking to we did a uh, houston barbecue festival and we were situated um it's not is that the, the houston barbecue in- fest it was the same it was a um a throwdown okay. at saint arnold's Okay. And uh, we were situated next to Koi Barbecue. They're kind of new onto the scene. There's some okay. Asian guys that do it. And uh, in th- that particular battle, we did a, 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 a dish called Yakamane. It's basically out of uh, Louisiana. Okay. And it has some Asian and Cajun kind of history to okay. this particular dish. And they were like, what y'all know about that? <laughs> That's <laughs> They awesome. absolutely yeah. knew about it. And then he and they were talking to me about, I was telling them about the St. Paul sandwich and they were familiar okay. with it as well. So, really? Yeah. But Where I haven't in St. Louis a, is that place located? It's not a place. So if you go oh, to any a... kind of like chop suey place in St. Louis, really? it's really kind of hood, Chris. <laughs> You're saying I'm not going to find it in Ladue. You're Le- not going to find it Le- in Ladue. Ladue and Clayton, downtown Clayton does not <laughs> no, have this sandwich sir. available. No, but it's so good. So I have to make it for you. So right. I promise to make it for you, and right. you then let me know okay. if you like it. But it's super good. So that's a must. Um, and it's so crazy. Uh, Greg and I always talk about this, but one of my connections with barbecue, if you will, was grilling. My dad grilled all the time. Hmm. And he used to also purchase barbecue smoked meats and stuff. And then so there's this place on the north uh, side of the city uh, okay. in Jennings called mm-hmm. CNK Barbecue. CNK. CNK. Okay. And so uh, they do this. They do all kind of barbecue meats. But my mm-hmm. favorite thing to eat was a, a link sandwich, and it had. Uh, potato salad piled on top, smashed in between two pieces of white bread, folded yeah. up in butcher paper, and like every time. So my father was a police officer, mm-hmm. and uh, he would just he he would find these all kinds of places, yeah. you know, all, just work when he was you yeah, know patrolling. a beat on the streets, and um, and uh, he would bring that sandwich home, and I thought that was like the most special thing, and that was just like he and I like <laughs> little things. So like now when I go home from time to time, I Gotta definitely get that, get, that, get that link sandwiches from uh, CNK with the potato salad, and it's really it's good, but it's more nostalgic yeah, than yeah. it is like a, a eating. I think that can <laughs> sometimes be the most like enjoyable things as an adult is when you recognize something for you has a nostalgic appeal as mm-hmm. opposed to like an objectively like this is a well-made a like thing right you know oh absolutely like i was telling greg when we chose to do the smoked chicken uh pot mm-hmm. pie it resonated with so many people like people mm-hmm. were like you can't i this is a, a after school snack i remember coming home and I, yeah. my mom would just tell me to make a pop like yeah. people would were starting to tell us stories as how they connected to this particular dish mm-hmm. and it was about the and it it ta- and it ended up tasting good I, yeah. you know i think i think it was like oh my god i ate chicken pot pies growing up yeah. but damn this tastes good yeah <laughs> so, no for sure yeah I think it. I think people. I think that's how people ultimately eat. You know. I don't know. This new generation may be a little bit different, just because eating habits have been different for them. But in my generation, when people were growing up, you know, we didn't eat out a lot in my family. We we grew up 
you know, with my mom cooking and, you know, when she didn't cook, we were eating cold cut sandwiches. Like yeah. we didn't get a chance to, to eat fast food a lot or go out to restaurants a lot. So I think that's what we're going to see with the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. Like the result of this is that people aren't going to just eat out to eat out necessarily. Right. It's not like, oh, well, this place just opened. So we're going to go there, not because we're really excited about it, but just right. because it's new. Right. And that's going to be one of the impacts of this is you go to the places that you know are good or that have like a significant meaning to you. Absolutely. You know? I think I agree. I mean, I think that's exactly how people, and especially people with families, you know, mm-hmm. I, can I take my kid there? Can I get them a solid meal? Does it taste good? Yeah. It's not so much as, oh, you know, the it's atmosphere is yeah. exactly, the atmosphere is yeah. great. They're playing great music and those things are cool if that's your intent. But like you said, most people in this uh, virus age is is simply looking to survive. Yeah. And people not doing that on <laughs> foie gras, no. you know. Fucking avocado toast. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. They want, you know, bacon and eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so you worked, you've worked here since 2016. It has been like, it'll be five years in like September. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's a long time. <laughs> well, I remember because you and I were chatting we bumped into one another at Pass and Provisions, we RIP. Did, yeah. um, but we R. bumped R. into one another at <laughs> RIP. I run past it every once in a while, and there's, there's something going on in there. I don't Wahoo. know. What, I don't know. You don't know. I don't know, but something. Yeah, um, we'll but, see. But um, yeah, I saw you. You were there with Greg, and you guys were like hashing out details yeah. at the uh, bar counter. Just it's so crazy because. Yeah. It's, it's so rare to find somebody that you can really, truly kind of connect with and work with. Yeah. Um, and he and I, we bounce ideas off each other all day. And mm-hmm. if, if we're featuring ourselves in a, an event and we're trying to do something creative, it's literally a collaboration of, okay, what if we do this? What if we do this? What proteins do we want to use? How do we want to apply some smoke yeah. into it? Like, it's I'm, really a I'm thing. very familiar with, like, your culinary background. Mm-hmm. But for Greg, I know uh, he's... Hometown hero, went to Rice University, played mm-hmm. football there. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Uh, Thomas grad, high school. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, not much cooking outside of just actual barbecue. And he had mm-hmm. some restaurant experience with uh, Papa Do, so he was oh, cool. in the Papa's family for a short while. Yeah. But straight after that, he opened Gallon Barbecue. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he had a... Um, and where was the original location? On 19th Street. Okay. And I think he had a really awesome, like, right up the first week or two of his yep. existence. And then it's been no looking back since. Like, they've yeah. been busy ever since. So, yeah. So, you came into this space having worked at Houston's, you mm-hmm. know, so familiar with that style of cuisine. You worked in a catering spot, um, yeah. did, like, more high-end catering. Mm-hmm. Those experiences serving a very different style of food, what of that translated to barbecue? I learned, I tell people this all the time. I actually worked at this catering company called Catering by Culinaire. Um, and the chef there, Barbara McKnight, she was an amazing chef. Like, you know, she knew what she did. She had a lot of German studies. She hmm. ran this catering company that, you know, was super informative to me, uh, whether she knows it or not. But um, shout out Barbara. <laughs> shout out Barbara McKnight. So, uh, yeah, like, I learned. I learned when you're dealing with catering and then catering for a large amount of people, we would be in like, you know, River Oaks and the big old houses. I remember we had to, uh, we had to, I I was on a party that you had to go through security in their first like two, like sets of security. Matter of fact, I ended up knowing the security guard because he was one of the security guards at Houston's. Oh really? So weird, like you had to get your job because these houses have all these paintings and you know, who's coming in. We were like set up one time in the gym of this Mm -hmm. house, like uh, like this basketball court they had, like it was crazy. Yeah, because you don't want like a Tony Busby situation, some lady (laughs) coming in, scratching up your paintings all the Exactly, like, oh my goodness. But um, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to, what I learned there the most is how food reacts uh, through time. If mm-hmm. I have a filet that I need to get onto 200 people's plates, yeah. how do I hold that filet so that it's perfect on all that plate? Like, that's the type of thing that I learned at working in a catering thing. Which, so, for steaks, would you, like, sous vide them and then just, like, quickly sear them, send them out, or what was uh, the move? Barbara was a really big fan of smoking, and so oh, we really? would smoke off, like, tenderloins and then hmm. cut them down and then portion, you know, portion for portion oh, okay. for portioning. Yeah. We, would, we would smoke them, sear them, 
and then cut them down. But then all still serving medium rare, medium. Like it's it's an art to that. And yeah. then making sure that they reach each plate. We've all been to know? enough like either <laughs> yeah. whether it's a wedding or a Absolutely. party or something to know that like yeah. it really does take a lot of skill I, to get I that I pull a in bar so in barbecue the in barbecue things are not a la minute. So mm-hmm. you have to have the art of smoking, holding, serving hot, all that. So some, I say some of that that I learned in, in catering kind of translate oh. in barbecue in hmm. that way. Just because things aren't a la minute, you're not cooking ribs on the grill and then serving it. Do you they know what te- I mean? Since you did go to culinary school, uh-huh. did they teach you any of this? Like, is smoking like... No. No? Absolutely not. And I love my culinary school. I actually yeah. had a really great experience at culinary school. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just like anything. You know, when I went to college, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. And so I wanted to receive as much information as I can. One, because the shit was expensive. So can I go? <laughs> you can you say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> the shit was expensive as hell. So I was just like, okay, uh, you're going to tell me how to do this. Or if I don't know yeah. something, you know, I tried to tap in as much as I could. But no, they didn't really tap into smoking meats. Really? You know. No, not at all. When, when you say <laughs> no, like, I'm curious, though, like, is that because it's not, like, seen as, like, a higher form of cooking? Like, I- Well, the Art Institute of Houston based their format on uh, a French-style kitchen. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at French technique, smoking just was not a technique that they used in that in that cuisine. And And this is coming from a place of ignorance, but, like, it seems like it's all based on, like, French technique. Absolutely. Right? I mean, Which, they're the, the pinnacle of cooking in the cooking world. You know, Jacques Pepin, you know, yeah. that's who you're thinking of. When you're talking about the history of it all, those techniques, when you're talking about French cooking, that's, you know, not that that's where cooking started, but yeah. when you're talking about a, a kitchen brigade and, and the organization of a kitchen. It's a very, like, Eurocentric kitchen, approach exactly. to cooking. Exactly. And smoky meats was just not a part of that. Yeah. It just wasn't, and and it's not a knock on it. I just don't think that that area, that space, was indicative to smoking meats. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So so really, you learned a lot of those like smoking techniques during your time in catering, and then you were able to apply some a, of that. A little, to... a little in catering, um, mm-hmm. mostly from my dad. Yeah. And my dad grilled. Not smoked, like you know, he pulled out the grill, and you can get as much smoke as you can with grilling an item. But yeah. it wasn't like my dad had a whole huge smoker and was smoking. Yeah. We're from the Midwest. We didn't. I didn't grow up on brisket, you nope. know, not smoked brisket at least. <laughs> I grew up on toasted ravioli, <laughs> toasted ravioli, emos, thin crust pizza, exactly. So you know, those the smoking of the meats. Honestly, Chris, I I literally learned all of that just from meeting Greg and really? being here, and then understanding what it was. I didn't understand the power of barbecue until I got into the world. I didn't know. When you say the power of barbecue, <clears throat> you're referring to like the mythology associated with like people following around different barbecue pitmasters. Barbecue, like, yeah. like yes, yeah. like it is a whole cult of, of people who enjoy this amazing uh, style of cooking and then what it produces. It's amazing, like, and, and people really respect it and people really have an opinion on it. <laughs> There's a lot of opinions. Well, it kind of goes so, back to what you were saying earlier where like you have like such a strong emotional response to something. It's how do you separate the emotion or like the story, the narrative from like the objective quality. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, you and Greg go to like these barbecue competitions and I'm sure they have some sort of like objective measure of like gauging the quality of the barbecue beyond right. just like the taste, right? right. I, yeah, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> but, but it's challenging, right? Because yeah. barbecue more than almost any other like style of cooking, I feel like the, the story, the <clears throat> narrative is so important to one's understanding of like the place or whatever it is, right? right? Absolutely. And maybe it, that's because it's not like, I don't know, uh, you go to culinary school, you can learn these techniques and they're very clearly like systematized mm-hmm. there's not the same thing with barbecue it's no. like passed down from like parent to child from one person to another from culture right? to culture Shoot. yeah like you know there are different cultures who you know the 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 beauty in barbecue and and how it has evolved um is that you know the lines are are blurred mm-hmm. you know what i mean if i'm a, if i'm mexican let's say i'm from mexico and what smoke meets me to me 
you know, it's very different if I'm from St. Louis or from Texas and what that smoke me means to me. Uh, those techniques are similar, but what proteins are we smoking? How does that work? What's, what, are, what are seasonings? So I think it's beautiful that, you know, it means different things to different people and people feel strongly one way or another or another from uh, all those things, so. Yeah. I had, so now that you work in barbecue, like when you go back to St. Louis, do you have you gone to Bogarts, Pappies? Like, have you done? I've those? gone to Pappies. Uh, yes, I've gone to the Wood Shack, which was cool because they do yeah. a lot of smoked items. But it, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call them a a, a barbecue house. They do like a bunch of different sandwiches, cool, yeah. very cool sandwiches. I love how they implement smoke in items, mm-hmm. and uh, I like that. So, well, that's but always yeah. been. But something. like I told you, CNK is like my spot because it's just yeah. nostalgic. Well, that's something that I've always liked. So, um, you and I have collaborated for a couple different events mm-hmm. at the wine bar that I used to run. Mm-hmm. The first one that we did was when I had first taken over. It was 2017. It was like. I think February or March, mm-hmm. and I had a couple buddies visiting uh, from a couple of the different wineries in the central coast of California. It was Lou D and Presqu'il, yeah. and we did some barbecue with them. And then more recently, for the Basque Festival that I've organized, <clears throat> we did some really cool Basque-inspired dishes. And it was cool to see the way you incorporated elements of barbecue and the technique of smoke to like traditional Basque dishes. So we served octopus at that event. We did a <laughs> uh, duck sausage. And then, what were some of the other things? Do you remember? We did uh, beef cheek, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was like smoked beef cheek smoked croquettes, beef right? Yeah, and then, um, what else was it? I think that might, was that it? We did a manchego polenta that oh. was fucking fire. That was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Thank you. Like, so, as I, as my time here at Gatlin's have grown on and I've become more knowledgeable and more experienced, about uh, smoking meats. I I tell Greg all the time, I'm like, like, Greg, we can smoke anything. (laughs) And so there have been a a lot of times where I'm smoking tomatoes. I smoke onion for a queso dip that we do. Uh, We did the queso bowl with uh, Eureka Heights and um, I smoke the onions and the jalapeno. So you get this mild uh, smokiness through the cheese that is like, uh, it's so good. And um, yeah, like I just, and a lot of it is trial and er error. I've messed up a bunch of food. (laughs) Is there anything that doesn't work smoked? I think there, I think you can probably smoke anything. I haven't come across anything that doesn't work smoked. No, it's super cool. And I, I feel like you've done that more with these, a lot of the dishes that you have for like the breakfast menu Mm -hmm. and the dinner menu. Like, you've got Taco Tuesday that you do, you've got... Yeah, we actually do a, the specials. Nacho Tuesday with okay. the smoked onion uh, queso. So that that happens on Tuesday. Sometimes we'll do a taco. And our breakfast menu is really, really taken off. We do yeah. our brisket. It's our normal Gatlin smoked brisket mm-hmm. with some eggs. You can fix your taco up. I mean, we do uh, refried beans, peppers, onions, Hell pico yeah. de gallo. Uh, we make our own salsas here, so yep. whatever salsa you like, red or green, um, it's 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 been a joy to not be hindered in you know in creativity, and so Greg is very open to what can work out of here and kind of kind of what I do. Sometimes he has to reel me back in, like, okay, Shell, that's too far. <laughs> and, and is that like this is too far because like people coming into a barbecue restaurant don't want to have that item. Like they walk in and they want brisket and they see this on the menu. Exactly. Like I think that's his fear. Sometimes it's like, okay, it can be an amazing thought and idea and dish at the end of the day. But when people, like you said, when people walk through the door, they want their ribs, they want their brisket. They may be swayed on to something else, but if it goes too far, they're still sticking to their ribs and their brisket. So So where do you, so you have a couple of these items, right, where you're able to like, push things creatively. Mm -hmm. Is it the barbecue competitions where you get to like extend that even further or is it catering events? Oh, totally, yeah. So when we get invited to like I'm saying, the barbecue festival, those throwdowns, we we get a chance to show, I mean, we've done rabbit. We've we've smoked rabbit, uh, which was an amazing dish. We've did the yakamane before. Uh, We've dipped, we've smoked some porchetta at a a barbecue festival uh, before. We've done beef cheeks for no kid hungry i mean we get a chance to really kind of push the envelope and i love doing those because 
I think it shows our range. I, th- I think sometimes mm-hmm. in barbecue, people kind of get, now I won't say stuck because if you do something well, it works. But there's we, an element of that though. Yeah. yeah. We like to make sure that people know that we have range. I mean, we get, we're, we're getting caterings now that get us for things that's not even typical barbecue stuff, mm-hmm. which is awesome. We did a yeah. whole like uh, uh, fajita day, like with a guest. Like they caught us for fajitas. Really? Who calls Gatlin's barbecue? fajitas but like yeah. it the word is spreading that okay let's call gatlin's and, yeah. and that's kind of the 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 vision that we had with with adding myself mm-hmm. to the team and then us doing broadening the menu and all that other stuff so i'm i'm happy to see that people are catching on to yeah. to the things beyond what we we normally do well so so one of the big things that you brought to the table right is your love of sandwiches mm-hmm. right yeah I, yeah. It's coming from that link sandwich. Is that like? Is <laughs> that, that your rosebud? Is that your like? And the uh, the uh, the the yeah the Asian uh, sandwich yeah. as well. So yeah, like I I I love a good sandwich. A good sandwich for me is everything. And so when 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 people are building dishes, your dish you're looking for texture. You're looking for either sweet, the salty the tangy you know you want your dish to be well rounded and I feel like a sandwich just house those in between two slices of bread I I just think sandwiches are super cool so (laughs) normally we save the Instagram like plugs for the end of the episode Uh but I feel like it's very important here your Instagram handle is between the slices yeah (laughs) yes so my sister my twin I have a twin sister she helped me kind of with that name we went over a thousand names but between the slices stuck nobody Mm. had it and and like I really get a lot of compliments on it so yeah between the slices and so um it's it's all about what's happening between two slices of bread in this like period where you're trying to like push things creatively in this space and maybe get people out of their comfort zone, sandwiches are a good way to do that because yeah. like like it's maybe easier to get someone to commit to a ten dollar sandwich yeah, than exactly. like. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say sandwiches are almost non-committal. Yeah. It's like a way to try something without feeling like oh my god, I just spent yeah. all this money and it's not delicious or you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to sell in a sandwich. Yeah. You know, sandwich price points aren't very high. Yeah. And so, yeah, Low stakes, they're easy sale. Like, right, right. Yeah. The risk factor is less in the sandwich to yeah. me. Yeah, no, um, again, like, I am so grateful to be working with uh, Greg and, and him allowing me to uh, have creativity and then not censoring kind of what that is. And, um, I was working on that, you know, I, we, we were able to put out our bologna sandwich. I've been working on that for years before what, I got here. What's your obsession with bologna? Because you've been talking about bologna <laughs> since Houston, since yeah. we were back in the Houston days. So, remember earlier, I was like, oh, my mom, she cooked all the time. And then yeah. when she didn't, we had to eat cold cuts. Yeah. And cold cuts is just sandwich meat. And so we would literally eat sandwiches, yeah. like, all the time when my mother did not feel like cooking. Yeah. And kind of one of the things that I gravitated to was a bologna sandwich. Yeah. It had to be burned, and it had to be with a mayonnaise and it on white bread, and sometimes with cheese, sometimes when I, whatever I felt like, you know. And so, um, kind of, I just as I grew up, especially in, in through my culinary history, I've become very interested in sausage making. And so, bologna is a sausage essentially, and it was just like, how do I figure out how to make this product? without it being such a processed product, but mm-hmm. homemade and can I, can I make it as good? And so, I don't know, I just had yeah. this obsession with it. it and it, it tapped into that childhood thing that you kind of get out of food. And that's just yeah. kind of always been with me uh, with the bologna sandwich. And then people like it. Yeah. <laughs> people end up liking it, so. What condiments work and what condiments don't work on a bologna sandwich? <clears throat> Mayo for sure, mustard for sure. Yeah, but mustard's such a big category, bro. Like, you you gotta, like, narrow that down a little bit. Yellow mustard. <laughs> okay. So like yellow French's. mustard, something, some, right. Super tangy, super, you know, acidic. Yeah. Uh, if the bologna is made right, you know, you have some fat content in there. So that, mm-hmm. that mustard's able to kind of cut through some yeah. of that fattiness. And mustard works really well. We get a lot of people. Our, our sandwich here isn't made with mustard, but we get a lot of people who switch out the mayo for really? the mustard. Yeah. So... Those I think mayo and mustard are the best condiments for bologna. Like mayo not much else, not much else. Some people so if you go to Memphis, you'll see a lot of people use barbecue sauce 
yeah. their bologna, on their smoked bologna, which is really big in Memphis. Hmm. And um, we don't really do that here. Some people yeah. will. Uh, our bologna sandwich has gained a lot of popularity. We yeah. have now people adding brisket to the bologna sandwich. Wow. It is so fat. <laughs> but right. they'll get like it's a, a quarter pound of brisket. They add it to it. It has a fried egg on it. Pickles, onions. Does it come cheese. with like a side of Tums? Like <laughs> it should. <laughs> get a little like Pepto on the side. Like what's gonna help? Like I don't know what happens. But there's this office, and I I forget their names, but they come in all the time, and it's about four or five of them. They all order bologna sandwiches, and they add brisket to it, and then they go back to work. And I'm oh like, how God. do you guys no. go back to work? It's so crazy. That's real. But I I love how they personalize it. Like literally, yeah. I was like. The first guy that came in, I was like, we have to name that version of the bologna sandwich yeah. after you because he, he faithfully comes in and orders that. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, are there things that you think are like a secret element to a sandwich that people don't always like look to? Or are there things you think are like super overrated? Like what do you fuck with and what do you not fuck with in your sandwich I design? I think the sink secret to most sandwiches is how do you implement an element that has acid? I think that is the game changer. And Greg, Greg always tell me, you always say it needs acid. I'm like, but acid soup, like it really truly balances out everything. Yeah. So it, for me is in building a sandwich, acid is how, is really what I, one of the main things that I think of is how is it gonna come in? Is it gonna come in from me pickling onions? Is it com gonna come in with mustard? Is it gonna come in in a pickle? Like it, like how am I inter introducing acid into this sandwich? Because one, I'm, we know we're gonna have crunch in it somewhere, whether it's the bread or a different type of ingredient. Um, but that, that for me, it's the acid. The acid is is the key to the sandwich. To me, for yep. me, yeah. I'm trying to think what uh, what other sandwiches. What, what, what's an overrated sandwich component? What do you not fuck with in your sandwich? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm, that's a tough one, Chris. You because I I pride myself on I can make anything <laughs> taste good okay. between weird the slices. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, weird flex. What doesn't taste good? I mean, seafood is all good. I love. I well, haven't been able to put mussels on the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, mussels. No, have you I had haven't. the mussels toast over at uh, Squabble? No, I haven't. Okay, so one of my favorite dishes in the city, hands down. It's um really good sourdough bread. Yeah. And then it's got like a um like a creamy like aioli situation on there, and then mussels. And then like perfectly cooked beans. I think they're kidney beans maybe. Oh. Maybe they're another type of bean, but they're like, it's a big, it's the size of the muscle. Yeah, Whatever the beans type of, are. Yeah, the beans are. Um, and they put that on there. And then I think there's maybe like a little bit of like some bitter greens that are put on top. Mm -hmm. But you don't think that mussels and beans yeah. and like toast I'm go together. And now. it's listed on the menu as like mussels toast. And the, the combination of flavors, there's really good acid to it. Mm -hmm. Like that to me works super well. Hmm. So, I have to check it out. You gotta check it out. I have to. Um, yeah, like I'm really thinking on that question. I really, there's not much that you can put on a sandwich. It's just the composition of said item on the sandwich. And is it done well? I think the other thing, right, is that sandwiches like inherently are like between two slices of bread, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's something you should be able to pick up and eat. And at a certain point you get these sandwiches that are like fucking monstrosities. Right. And like you take a couple bites out of them and you're like, I can't. Yeah. And then you put it down, you knife and fork it, right? right? Have, do you ever build a sandwich with the idea that it will be knife and forked or should it always be built for function over form? Like what's the game plan? I very rarely do a knife and fork sandwich. Just just literally, simply because of what you stated, most people, if you call it in a sandwich, it is a sandwich that I can pick up, take on the go. Uh, you know, it's not no must, no fuss. You know, we talk about the slappiness of a burger or something like yeah. that. Those things are, are cool. But um, very rarely am I knife and forking it. To me, knife and forking a sandwich just kind of, um, you know, it's just, just the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, no no offense to the zhuzh, but uh, you know, I like I like I like how rustic a sandwich is. <laughs> you laughing at the zhuzh, Karis? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs>
But it does. It's like it's a little. It's a little dainty, you yeah. know. You know. No. It's just a little. You know. It's a knife I, and a, it's. It's like eating fried chicken with a knife and a fork. You can't do that shit. <laughs> you just pick up the damn chicken. You are putting people on watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Or a knife and fork on a rib is the worst. So. Is, is, people people, do that? people knife and fork ribs. Yes. You probably. No judgment, yeah. but yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> I'm not judging you, However, but I am talking shit about you on absolutely. this podcast. <laughs> um, oh, oh, too so, funny. Okay, so like you've worked here since 2016, mm-hmm. and like you said earlier, you know, Greg is kind of right there alongside you, mm-hmm. a voice for collaboration. But at the end of the day, you are in the kitchen, in the trenches, fucking leading people and working in your position in this role. Was it challenging to come into what is oftentimes a male dominated space, a barbecue restaurant and to be the executive chef? Um, one, most women in this industry are the wives of a pit master or people who run the barbecue space. There's not many women who have my angle, uh, if you will. Aaron Fegis is probably one. Of course, we all know Tootsie, who was like the original female in the in the in yep. the game. But there's not many women who are just driven solely by the food versus just, oh, I'm supporting my husband and this is our business and this yep. is what we're doing, which is no knock to that. So it was difficult because you have the guys like, does she know what she's talking about? Is she is she gonna girly it up? Is she tough enough? I almost feel like there's a level of toughness that you kind of gotta have. You gotta be willing to stick your arm in the pit, and if you get burned, you you know you get burned, you keep on going. Yeah. You gotta be able to not be afraid of fire. I'm gonna load this pit. I'm gonna have all this wood. I'm gonna put it in. I'm not gonna screech about it. I, Do you I feel t- like you got more pushback from like the people you worked alongside, or from like people coming in like was it the perception of staff or the perception of guests I think a little bit of both because uh when I got here the staff who was here had been here for for a while and so there's a whole there's a there's a a a regularity in their day right Mm -hmm. and then here I come you know knowledge from going to culinary school, working in multiple restaurants. And I'm like, hey, you guys should be doing X, Y, and Z. I'm questioning things, um, but I'm also looking and I'm listening. And I think I did that first initially before I became super vocal because I wanted to see, okay, what is your process? That that will get me to how you're thinking about food and what it will do, what it can do, what it should be doing. Um, you know, and so, and then after I kind of got here for a while, they figured out I can hold my own. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid to get dirty, you know, and I think the respect just kind of started to build off, yeah. off of that. And that was big for me. I, I wanted, I want, I had to let them know that I can do what you do. You need me to trim this brisket, I can trim it just as fast as you can. Now what? Like, yeah. you know, you know, is she gonna, she ain't gonna touch raw meat. Like, and you know, I've yeah. had guys telling me like, you're too, you're a girl, you're not gonna do this. I'm like, no, yes I am. Yeah. Like, I know how to break down chickens. I know how to break down this yeah. brisket. I know how to do that. Like, so then now what? So now mm-hmm. that we understand each other, this is what I need you to do. <laughs> yeah. no, for so sure. part of it was like, yeah, you kind of got to prove yourself. And then same thing outside of these walls. When you, when I when Greg started, you know, when I started going on to these things, it was like, oh, you know, who do you have here? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not his wife, you know, so who mm-hmm. do you have here? And so as I gotten to know the guys in the community of barbecue, yeah. you know, and through conversation, it was like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. I see this dish that they're putting out or she's putting out through them. Yeah. Oh, she knows what she's doing, like blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So re- I think, you know, re- the respect came after you yeah. just started to prove yourself. And and I was gun like I was driven to be able to say, like, you know, this this type of cuisine is not going to defeat me. I'm going to let everybody know that I can handle it. I can produce and it's going to be yeah. good. So. That was that was my, and I get excited about learning. Like I didn't know it, so I yeah. wanted to learn. I like engross myself. I when I first started, Chris, I was working from sun up to sundown, like literally 12, 13 hours a day, sun up to sundown. And Greg can attest to that. I was here like months on end, just like trying to get it and yeah. understand it, and then and just you know apply myself so that 
Yeah. I don't embarrass myself <laughs> or the company <laughs> and yeah. still produce the product that we needed to produce. So it was good. Well, well it. it's gone over incredibly well. I feel like every shout out of Gatlin's now <laughs> has some like shout out within it. To Can you. you believe that, Chris? Uh, what was it? Eric Sandler made that list of like restaurants in Houston, I think like in the past like week or two, and he shouted you out. Yeah, there, so I'm super dope. like... I'm always so taken aback by it. Like, Allison Cook just wrote an article about our burgers. Really? Like, I had a friend just was was like, oh, you didn't tell me y'all serve burgers? I was like, dude, we've been selling burgers for a minute now. Like, yeah. And it was it's just so so amazing. Like, I'll send my mom these articles and, like, my family, and they're like, wow, like, you know, people are really recognizing kind of your talents and stuff. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful and humble. Like, it's so surreal Mm -hmm. to me because... We were having these conversations yeah. back in the day, and now it's yeah. like we're both. Like even with you, like you were having conversations about being in this industry and wine and all of this other stuff, and it's all come, come together for us all. So it's super. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, I should say, you know, we're, we've been drinking uh, throughout <laughs> this conversation a little bit of wine, some donkey and goat, uh, Isabelle's cuvee. It's a Grenache rosé. You know, I've always loved pairing barbecue with wine and finding more inventive pairings because barbecue mm-hmm. can be challenging right mm-hmm. you have a lot of different elements you've got smoke oftentimes you have a fair bit of sweetness mm-hmm. you've got very robust flavors that can overpower certain wines and this was a wine that i thought would like go super well with so much of the food that y'all do i agree like i'm a total bubbles and barbecue kind of girl so you can give me bubbles <laughs> bubbles <laughs> and barbecue, barbecue <laughs> and i'm good so you know we which we offer here we have we carry a bubble but they go, it literally goes with everything yeah. like anything that is, comes back to what you were saying earlier acid exactly right? and it cuts through that fattiness of the brisket or the sausage or the Hell you know yeah. the pulled pork so beautifully so yeah hell yeah so <laughs> It's impossible for us to not talk about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Today is June 15th. Yes. Um, you were just giving someone some flack on the phone earlier. <laughs> uh, yes. You, you were just <laughs> chatting them up, explaining to your sales rep that you might <laughs> run out of chicken on you um, on Juneteenth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we the past couple of weeks have been... Um, uh, a crazy time in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a long time coming, right? Yes. Um, but one thing that we've noticed is there's this desire on the part of a lot of white people to figure out what they can do to be a better ally, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a lot of conversations about what can be done. There's <clears> a lot <throat> of education clearly that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like really hard work that needs to be put in. There's a lot of introspection. There's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that people need to have with their uncles or the rest of their family or whoever, right? right? But one thing that it seems like a lot of people agree on is we need to be supporting more black-owned businesses, Mm -hmm. right? And have you noticed any sort of change in people coming in? Are you seeing people that like read that Eric Sandler (laughs) like article that Uh, are like going through a list, right? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell if somebody's read an article and they're here because because of reading the article. Because, like you said, those conversations are hard. And they're not going to walk through the door and say, oh, yeah, like, I'm the one that read the article. And so I'm here supporting. Uh, but yeah, like you know, we are in in tough times, and I and I my prayer and my hope is that everybody is absorbing what they can, whether yeah. it's in keeping with with what they believe or even opposite of what they initially believe, and have allowed themselves to be open to receive the information that they're uncomfortable with, yeah. and to face the fact that there are people here in this country who have lived completely different from them and to understand their plight in the same country that they in, you know inhabited but just different yeah. and it's been grossly different and negatively different and so you can sit here and say how much you love this country and that your experience is your experience but to also be open to someone else's experience and understand where they're coming from and how their anger uh, or frustration, or whatever it is that they they have with with this country and in, the, in their experience, um, and that is just as valid as yours. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's the space that we need to that we're in. Is it like you said? There's so many, so many people who are non-black who are who are finally understanding the magnitude of what it is. I think everybody knows that racism exists, and that uh, black people in this country, you know, have had this plight. But I don't think they understood the magnitude of it all and the longevity of it all. And it's not something that's going to get fixed, like, Tomorrow. overnight. It's not right. like I'm going to read, like, right. fucking one book, and then, like, that solves everything, <laughs> right. right? I like, think, uh, what did they say? It was, like, uh, 16, two, almost 24 months, with, you know, from Rosa Parks sitting on that bus, and then that whole process of, of that integration to happen. Mm-hmm. We can't sit here and say, oh, we walked downtown in Houston and we protested, so tomorrow it's going to be great. Yeah. No, we have to do that consistently for mm-hmm. 12, 24, 48 months from now to say, yeah. this is still a problem. What can we do? Yeah. So, yeah, how do, how do I be a part of the change? How do I, you know, change myself or change like you said how do I talk to my uncle who who feels a particular way or how do I do that and then if I go into a black owned business whether it's a restaurant or a doctor or you know whatever it is you know how do, how does that affect uh, yeah. how does that become a part of the change and and those dollars definitely become part of the change so you know so many industries are very homogenized and lack you know diverse voices but wine is one that certainly does mm-hmm. um and it's something that you know the wine industry is reconciling uh and i'm sure that you know within food i mean we've seen in the past couple of weeks like bon appetit get rid of their editor-in-chief yeah we've seen some of the systemic racism that existed within their offices be addressed or at least acknowledged right. um we and, saw a large number of black people nominated this year for james beard awards as well yeah yeah i i I want to say it was the highest year this past year with really? some nominations. Yeah, so I mean, it's good to see that that they're integrating, you know, different types or, and recognizing, you know, different people who have these talents. So, yeah. yeah. Is the barbecue scene a diverse scene? Do we have different voices? I know, like Blood Brothers, in the past couple <clears throat> of years, has gotten a lot of attention for you know what they've done, mm-hmm. but. Do you feel like barbecue as kind of a microcosm within like the larger Houston gastronomy scene? Like, is that something? I think as like everything is doing it, we're in 2020 and things are evolving, hopefully. Uh, And I think that since I've been in it, I think like that it's kind of grown, you know, slightly. But I I think I think it's open. I think the people who have platforms to promote these things are doing a better job with promoting yeah. a, a wider range of things, a wider, wider range of uh, views as to what barbecue is. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you know, you can be somebody from Mexico who sees barbecue this way, or you can be Vietnamese and see yeah. smoked meats this way. You can be from the hood, Acres Home in Houston, yeah. and see barbecue this way, yeah. you know, so I, I, I love all those aspects of it, and we all have a voice, and they're all valid, so... Mm-hmm. And it's and it's getting better. Like, it, and the benefit is is that you get to consume it all. Yeah. <laughs> we as people get to consume it all without judgment, hopefully, but we get to consume it all and enjoy it. And you decide what you like, and you can decide what you don't like. But at least you're able to enjoy it all because, you know, this food comes usually generally, especially in barbecue, from a history of something. Like you said earlier, it's passed on. Craig was was able to be taught by his his dad and his uncles and all of this other stuff and mm-hmm. then he was the one who was to be able to be globally you know recognized for yeah. it but in essence that was his dad and his and his and his grandfathers and yeah. his uncles who who essentially you know he's speaking for now yeah you know they didn't have the opportunity to to speak for themselves but he does now yeah and so that's the beauty in of it of it all but yeah, support support black-owned businesses. I mean, uh, I think you, I think you should be diverse with your dollars. I think ultimately that's kind of where we want to be. But you know, our the dollars, the black dollars that you know people, well, the dollars that people spend in black businesses, it, it definitely, if the business is doing right, is it's going back into the community that it needs to serve. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we do a lot of stuff. I think one of the things that Gatlin's Barbecue doesn't get a lot of recognition because we just don't. Posted on social media, 
We've, we've, we've served throughout this whole COVID thing multiple times, people on the front line, hospitals. The other day, you see them boxes right there on that table? Yeah. That's what we're sending out to nurses and doctors and stuff every time they sit, they call for us. Back in the hurricane, we sent, we worked with uh, Vince Wilfort and we put out, what, 1,500 meals that fed Fifth Ward Acres Home Community to yeah. people who were stuck, didn't have power. But mm -hmm. we never post about that stuff. And sometimes we'll get flack, like, because we don't, I guess we don't make a voice about it on social media, but I feel like my actions, my actions speak louder than a, a Facebook post. Yeah. And it's not about, I don't want to do something or have people think that I'm doing it just for a like. And yeah. that's just not what it, what kind of what we're about. Never, like ever. It's, it's spending the money with the right businesses. Mm -hmm. Do you do your homework enough to know to say, if I, sh if I go to Gallons and I spend my money there, does, what does Gallons then in turn do? And do you know that? Do you yeah. even care to know that? Or do you find out about that? I feel like it's our job where you're spending your dollars um, to know whether or not how that company then in turns give back or if they give yeah. back at all. And so like you mentioned, for instance, like you're doing all of this, you're, you're, you're cooking food for nurses, for the medical field. Mm -hmm. In the past, you helped with hurricanes. I volunteer like consistently. I speak to young girls uh, who I do different types of uh, give backs with uh, talking to these young girl groups who, yep. you know, they're in these inner cities. I've, I've spoken to I've spoken to girls that have never they don't even know what an avocado is. Can you imagine? Do you know? As a millennial, I, I'm not does allowed it, to it, say that I don't know what an avocado is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is right. Yeah. Isn't that bananas? But they don't yeah. have access. They don't have access. When you say to, you're talking to these girls groups, like where is this? Like what's the context that we're talking? The context about? is is like um, I'm friends with Jerry Davis. He's a public office old holder. Uh, okay. I think he lost his seat recently, but he's also getting back into it. Yeah. But he usually reaches out and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to X, Y, and Z school. They have mm -hmm. a girls group. Can you speak to them, hang out with them, yeah. you know, have conversations? I've done that a handful of times. Um, I've done that a handful of times through churches or, you know, wherever yeah. it is. And the idea is for these young people to uh, speak to people who have, you know, progressed in life in different ways. So. Yeah. I'm a chef, but I, I also may be alongside a, a doctor, a newscaster, whoever it is, yeah. a, a, a wide range of, of um, you know, positions yeah. uh, that these people hold so that they're able to see, like, you know, you as well can progress and be something greater than, than your immediate surrounding. But, yeah, like, I'll... You know, and some of these things where I'll go and if I'll cook, sometimes I'll actually cook and bring a dish or cook a dish and let them help. Sometimes I'm just speaking. I do, I do this thing called Reading with the Pros, and it's the same concept. It's a cool organization, and it's about literacy, oh, reading. Cool. And then, here in Houston? Here in, these, here in Houston. Um, uh, he, uh, it's called Reading with the Pros. A guy, Wade uh, Smith, he used to play in the NFL for years. Uh, with the Texans as well and his thing his angle was was you know he had trouble reading as a kid mm -hmm. and you know now he goes back he makes it a competition and so oh, he cool. goes into the inner city he'll make it a competition between schools whoever reads the most books they'll upgrade their libraries get them yeah. new books and so his whole thing is to kind of give back and just kind of rejuvenate these kids but I say that to say it so you know these kids they don't know like they don't know and so mm -hmm. when myself or, or greg go and do that stuff, i yeah. don't i don't care about a post i really don't and these girls they'll sit here and they'll tell me like i've had like they don't know what it is they've never seen a fresh x y and z vegetable mm -hmm. you know what their their dinner is if they eat at school they're eating from the corner store a bag of chips a soda like that's their new that's their diet yeah. They don't have access to these cool-ass HEBs or central markets. They don't have access to that. Mm -hmm. Or if they do have access to a grocery store, the fruits and vegetables are shriveled up. They're not fresh. It doesn't. It's not necessarily appetizing for them to get. Or they don't even know how to cook it, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I only say that to say because sometimes people will say, you know, I don't see you post anything. And I'm like, you know, and we're doing so much stuff behind the scenes. Maybe I should believe in the power of social media a little bit more. 
but I just I you know if I'm helping I'm helping and that's just kind of what it is if you if you take a picture and post it great if you don't I wasn't there for that anyway I was there to make a difference in the people that I'm dealing with the thing is is we can talk about we can talk about this all day long mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and my <laughs> I say this all the time. If you know who Young Jeezy is, he's a rapper, right? You know who Young Jeezy is? I, I'm familiar. <laughs> You're familiar I'm familiar with, with Jeezy? Young Jeezy. Yeah, so Young Jeezy has a song. Because first I'm going to stack my paper, but then he says, and then what? And so my whole yeah. thing through this whole thing is, we're going to do a march. We're going to protest. We're chanting. We're doing all of this. My point is, and then what? I'm a, and then what kind of girl. Yeah. My, and then what is, is that action. So how do we become the action versus the, the noise? We need that noise. We need yeah. the protest. We need those people making that noise. You're going to find me on the then what side. So you, yeah. you're going to do that, but then and then what, right? Yeah. What's your action? I'm that kind of girl. <laughs> well, the other thing that we work, I work in wine, you work in barbecue, mm -hmm. right? Like occasionally mm -hmm. I have these moments where I question like, is what I'm doing really making a difference? Right. You know? And there's obviously a lot of money in wine and food to tell us that, yes, these things are making a difference. Right. Like, yes, it's shifting the culture. It's moving the needle, right? Mm -hmm. But am I truly making a difference? Right. Using whatever platform I might have or using whatever platform my business has to do that and what that you're talking right. about. But, but there are times when you get that imposter syndrome. You get that feeling of like, is what my industry has to contribute really making a difference. Right. I mean, I I get it too. As a black person, <laughs> you know, you yeah. what am I doing? Is it effective? Is it is it am I making an imprint somewhere somehow in some way? Yeah. Like I think um, it's one of the biggest things if you're a black person who is conscious about making a difference that's the thing that weighs heavy on you. Am I contributing specifically to my community uh, or the greater good of it? Uh, am I making a difference? Am, am I making enough noise? Am I making enough of, a, of an impact to say that I made a difference? Does it satisfy that need? One, two, and then is that, is that then self-serving or is it actually serving someone? Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird position to be in. I think it can be a little bit of both, and I think it can be successful in both ways. It is a self-serving thing because I don't think you can be successful without giving back. I don't think anybody can truly be like, oh, you know, I'm dominating this industry and haven't given back. That, to me, is not yeah. domination. You have to be able to say, uh, I, get, I, I either have given my knowledge to someone, I've given back in the, in the form of money, I've given back in the form of time, you know, something you have to be able to give back to, for me to be able to say that, yes, you, you, you're successful, you've made it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think what you're talking about is what everybody struggles with. And, and, and all that is, is equipping yourself with knowledge and then and then time, giving giving time. Time is, mm -hmm. is everything. So. Especially for someone that works, you know. 70 hours a week, 80 hours, hours a, week. a week. Like, But we make time yeah. for it. Like, yeah. you have to make time for it. And and mm -hmm. as tired and as sleepy as we are, you know, I, I my alarm today went off at 3.45. And I've been up literally rolling since 3.45 today. And we probably are going to leave here. And I have to take my fat ass somewhere to work out. <laughs> Your gym open? <laughs> no. It's, well, the gym that I was working at is open, but I'm probably not. I'm gonna, probably going to run on the bayou or something. Yeah? Yeah. I, so I also got this jump rope thing that I kind of been into jump roping. It's a whole jump rope workout. Really? Yeah, it's weird. So, yeah. But, you know, Chris, you know, 345? it's 3.45? Yeah, my alarm goes off at 3.45 in the morning. That is, that is <laughs> how, many, how many snoozes do you give yourself? None. That's the key. You can't give yourself time to snooze. The, the key, to, the key yeah. to not oversleeping is not giving. So when, when your alarm goes off, you know you have to get up. Because if you give yourself a leeway, you're going to take it, right? <laughs> oh my God. I don't give myself a leeway. I, I, like, I have to get up. So when are you going to oh, bed? It depends, but like today, I, like I'll, I, I'm usually in bed by like nine, ten o'clock. Yeah. 
but it's a it's a fun day. Yeah. Like that you have to make like day. like if um you know the guy that I'm kind of hanging out with, you make time for him and yeah. And yeah. Shout out guy you're hanging out with. Yeah, he's not gonna have a name today. <laughs> no, he's just guy. <laughs> he's just <laughs> the guy. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll meet him one day. So. Th- this has been fun. Yeah. This has been good. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to let the people know? No, like check out Between the Slices. Of course, you mentioned that earlier. Um, I haven't done a whole bunch of sandwiches lately, but... What's your most recent creation? Uh, I cook random little stuff. I made some egg drop soup the other day with yeah? crispy chicken skins. It was so well, random. That good. It was so good. <laughs> and somebody was like, who makes egg drop soup? I was like, I do. I had like seared some chicken thighs and threw some scallions and ginger in Ooh, it. It was so good. Well, well, to all your good. listeners, uh, Gavin's Barbecue, even though we're in a time of, of quarantine and a global pandemic, we actually have some really cool things on the horizon. So please either follow Gavin's Barbecue or Between the Slices. Is that uh, Gatlin's Barbecue, one word, any underscores? like? Nope, just G-A-T-L-I-N-S-B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. Uh, Gatlin's Barbecue, or like I said, Between the Slices, you can follow me. And, uh, you know, we, we generally post kind of what's coming next. Um, but uh, we actually have some super cool stuff. We're going to kind of, we're actually thinking about doing, um, we actually have a lot of concepts, but um, a little like kind of fry house. So we've been kind of doing this fried chicken and fried fish thing that may go on a grand. A, a larger scale so be on the lookout for that so it's all good. hopefully in the next 12 to 18 months will be uh kind of where we're going <laughs> this sounds good this sounds good sounds very good yeah well, michelle thank you so much my pleasure I cpz <laughs> i'm the only one that <laughs> that's all good i like cpz 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 yeah. Thank you so much, Chris, no. for having me or thinking enough of me to have me on your podcast. I think it's awesome. I think it's rad. Hopefully yeah. we can crack open another bottle of wine soon. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> a really big thank you goes out to Michelle for taking the time out of what was a very busy week to chat. Um, Gatlin's is open six days a week, and the current hours are 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., so whether you want to snag a pound of brisket to go, or try the pastrami sandwich for lunch, or just grab some breakfast tacos, Gatlin's has got you covered. As always, you can subscribe to Buy the Glass wherever you stream audio, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Thank you for listening. Uh, Keep washing your hands, and we'll see you next week.